Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 72, can you believe it? We are blazing our way through more and more episodes right here on One Man's Opinion. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I am your host, Jeff Mans. If you're just stumbling in, if you maybe you did a uh, fantasy football podcast search somewhere on Google and you just stumble in, welcome to our little program here, folks. Uh, we've got a lot of good previous episodes for you, ranging from uh, football, baseball, a little, little basketball, touch on other sports and March Madness we did. But uh, I've done a lot of personal podcasts as well, talked about fantasy sports and daily fantasy sports and sports betting and all of that. But we appreciate you. We want to spread the word. If you could tell a friend, if you do recommend it, or tell a friend to stay the hell away because this podcast sucks, whatever. Be honest with the people around you, everybody. This is indeed episode 72. I am Jeff Mance. If you don't know who I am, uh, I am the host of Elite Sports over at SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday. I'm also one of the owners of the Elite Sports Network, and that encompasses a variety of websites and uh, a lot of real estate around the world, not actual real estate, although we have office spaces in New York City and North Carolina and in Arizona. But uh, yeah, you, that the Elite Sports Network, fantasyguru.com. That's the place to go for all your fantasy football needs. That's our seasonal fantasy sports site. We do football and baseball over there. The draft guide for 2021 fantasy football is available now. Get in and win everybody projections rankings every different format customizable the my guru tool if you don't feel like doing the work you could plug your roster or just your league just sync your league to the my guru tool let us draft for you tell you who to draft who to pick up who to trade who not to trade you could run mock drafts through there everything else we've also got offensive line breakdowns every single offensive lineman graded backups graded guards tackles centers graded ranked in order of efficiency in order of prowess we've got the coaching schemes who runs zone who runs power blocking hybrid blocking schemes out there as well coaching breakdowns part of the fantasy guru draft guide that it will come into play a lot on today's episode more on that in a minute but i've gone through it's the only place in the world where you get every single nfl team's head coach offensive coordinator defensive coordinator uh offensive line coaches assistant coaches broken down tell you what kind of what kind of scheme they're running what kind of system they employ, what kind of players fit those schemes, what the history is. You want Andy Reid back in 2001 when he was with the Eagles and what he did, we've got that information. It's all telegraphed for you. You want to know what uh, Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger does against the cover two, or you want to know what, you know, who, which running backs run best in zone versus power blocking folks. That's what we do at Fantasy Guru. So get in now over there, EliteFantasy.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs. Remember, our summer special is live over there, daily fantasy baseball every single day. You get the EliteSportsData.com website along with Elite Fantasy. So two-in-one package over there. And the summer special actually includes preseason daily fantasy football. So 
when you know what you're doing in preseason uh, football, you win a lot of money playing daily fantasy. So uh, get over there and try that out. EliteSportsBetting.com for all your legalized sports betting needs as well. You could follow me, Jeff Mans, on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. The Jeff Mans, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. All right, let's dive in. I've got a lot to talk about today, and this is a special episode. It is the, I told you on the last episode, when you guys ask for something, you get it. That This is our show. Those of you, especially those who download the podcast every week, you listen in, you hit me up on social media. I like this. I don't like this. Can you do more of this? What about this? Here's a question I got for you, whatever it may be. Uh, Episode 72 is called Chase the Chargers. And for those of you who've been with me since the beginning, or at least since last summer, um, episode 20 of this very podcast was something called By the Browns. All right. What I did in that podcast, uh, I think we posted it. I recorded it in June. Re- uh, we posted it, went live on the 3rd of July last year. So right around the same time, and I've been holding on to this one as well, as you could imagine, it's going to be a similar show. Last year at this time, I went through the entire Cleveland Browns organization, soup to nuts, ownership all the way down. I told you why I'm buying in on the Browns. I'm buying them. I'm betting on the Browns. I'm betting on the future bets. I am playing them in daily fantasy when it comes time. I'm drafting Nick Chubb. I'm in on Baker Mayfield. I liked Landry and Odell Beckham. Uh, Everything. I told you what I like and where and how to win with this team. So um, I wasn't sure because when I recorded that episode last year, this was – this you know buying the browns is something i'm doing and nobody else was in nobody was in on the browns same old browns even after they lost week one which by the way on that broadcast i urge you guys after you're done listening to this show go back and listen to buy the browns go back and listen to episode 20 it's right there for you whether you're listening on stitcher or podbean or um uh wherever uh, itunes or google play or wherever what have you they're all on there right go and listen and I told you exactly what games they were going to win. I got the record right on and I recorded it in June and I was right on. I did miss one game. I had, I forgot what game, one of them, they lost that I said they'd win. And one of them, um, I was wrong on one of them, but they flip-flopped. So I got the same record. So they had one more win that I thought was a loss. And they had one more loss. I thought was a win. So I mean, to do that in the month of June for a team that nobody expected anything of, and they're, their over-under last year, I believe, was seven and a half or eight when I recorded it. And, I mean, it was the easiest money we've ever made. And, of course, January hits, and they had 11 wins, and we're way over. So we won that one. I don't want to – I don't like the gimmicks like that, like it did to buy the Browns last year. And I, Well, Jet, and a lot of you have asked, well, what's your team this year? Are we buying the Browns again? Are we going in a different direction? Is Do you have a team? And I knew it was a good idea for a show, but I didn't want to just commit to it because I'm not going to force it. That's the thing where a lot of folks get in trouble, including myself in the past. I've forced, whether it's a segment or a on radio or on a podcast or a live stream or writing the articles or whatever it is, we get into this, oh, I have to have – Pick a winner day, and I have to have a winner today. Well, you know what? Some days you just don't have a winner. 
All right. And if you don't believe in it, don't say it. That has been the secret of whatever success I've had. I know I'm one of the highest paid fantasy analysts in the world. Uh, maybe the highest. I, I don't know anymore. Um, close, whatever it is. And I have won a lot of things. And the reason I don't say anything I don't believe. I don't do what I don't believe in anymore. Now, sometimes you have to do certain things. Sure. You know, do I sell out? Yeah, I'm sure I do at times do paid reads because Sirius does them or whatever. And I, maybe I believe in it. Maybe I don't. Uh, although I fight with them quite a bit. I don't, there's been uh, a couple of instances on Sirius XM, even on this podcast, we've had sponsors on this podcast over the last year and a half. Uh, you know, I've taken a couple of them. I've turned majority of them down. I think we've had five, Offer six offers, something like that. Different companies, reputable, good mainstream companies. That I th- you know what? We've only had one pot. I think uh, Stat Hero was the only one I accepted. I'm not ex- I don't think we've done another on the podcast. I didn't do any others. Um, I just don't believe in that shit. And quite honestly, I wouldn't do this one if I didn't believe in the Los Angeles Chargers as well. And that's indeed what this show is. It's Chase the Chargers. I am buying in. I'm in on the LA Chargers. This team is freaking good, real good. And everything I've done, the exhaustive amounts of research that's went into the projections and rankings, coaching breakdowns, offensive line, skill position player, every single evaluation I've done, this team has hit it on the head. All right? So that's why we are in, and they're getting my endorsement in 2021, the LA Chargers. It's a tough division. There's no doubt about it. Anytime you have to play the Kansas City Chiefs twice, that's going to take some doing. The Broncos, pretty freaking good team too. That's a team that could turn it all around. All right. The Raiders, no, I don't believe in them very much. All right. They're not bad, well coached. Some talent, but I don't buy it. I'm chasing the Chargers. And so let's get into it. All right. It all goes back to Dean Spanos and the owner of the Spanos family of the LA Chargers. Now, I need to get something off the chest right away. I'm absolutely repulsed and hate that they moved this team from San Diego. I think the fans of San Diego that have supported this team for so many years in the Dan Fouts, Powder Blue era with Charlie Joyner and guys like that, and even all the way through Marty Schottenheimer and LaDainia Tomlinson and North Turner and uh, Philip Rivers, uh, everybody associated with San Diego Chargers uh, deserve better. They moved to LA, not not something I support or endorse. They sold out, fine. That is what it is, and we could not like that for sure. But I, we can't deny the fact that this team is ready to challenge for a uh, a Super Bowl and challenge for a title in twenty twenty one. The Spanos, what I like about happened here is Dean Spanos, the owner of the team, has actually given up control to his sons, Michael and AG, I believe. So those two, John also is the president of football operations, family atmosphere. These aren't the typical sons where they, they believe they have a lot of ideas on marketing and making money. Okay, fine. That's what has to be done. But they, they are not effing around with the organization with the on the field they're not they don't they're not jerry jones in this they're not 
talking about what offense should be ran and this and that, right? They're, that's not what they're doing. In fact, what I like about the younger Spanos family is they're very cutting edge. A lot more analytics being used in the front office, right? A lot more intricate, small school player evaluations, Okay, that cannot be discredited either. Uh, I, you could tell when organizations do this, when organizations draft all SEC guys or all Big Ten guys, you know, fans, we may be fooled by it, tricked by it. Well, that's a smart way to go. Yeah, it is. If that's who you settle on and that's the best players available, sure. But when you do your job, just as – for me personally and our team at fantasy guru and elite fantasy, you know, our job is not just to, our job isn't to just go for all the high obvious players. Oh, I love Kyle Pitts. You know, I know some of our competitors, they just, their whole off season is oh, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts. Okay. He's such a, it's such a small part of all these rookies that are coming in. And if you're not looking at third, second, third, fourth, fifth round picks, I think you're doing yourself a great disservice. So that's another thing that the Chargers have done pretty well. Okay, they, they're scouring the earth. They um, uh, uh, people like Kevin Kelly and JoJo Wooden and Dennis Abraham. Um, these are guys that are going out and evaluating talent everywhere. All right, they're going overseas. They're going to, like I said, Division Two, Division Three, to find and uncover talent. I like that. I like the way the front office, the place the front office is at right now. Their general manager, uh, general manager. Oh, by the way, I should mention is Tom Telesco. That's their GM. I should mention I chipped my tooth. Uh, if you listen to me on Sirius XM, I've been talking about Toothgate 2021 for most of this week. I'm having dental surgery tomorrow. So I've got like a big crack in my back tooth. So if you hear me stumble, uh, you don't have to call the medical doctors or 911 because I'm not having a stroke. I maybe slur and I didn't get into the maker's mark too early today. I promise you I'm sober for this program. I promise. Uh, but you may hear some slurring because it's driving me fucking crazy. Like this just chipped tooth is driving me nuts. So there you go. Tom Telesco, let's talk about him. Because when we, this is, I have made a very big push the last couple of years, but I really did it for our NFL draft stuff. And this year in the coaching breakdowns to take looks at the front offices. All right. And how that's, that's how the chargers really, that's a next level. Like there's a lot of things to like on the field and I will get to that, but the younger Spanos family, Tom Telesco, Went to the Colts in 1998. Anything interesting happened there? Oh, yeah. So I grew up in the Indianapolis Colts, so Jack Trudeau and got Jeff George in like 92. So they had a couple quarterbacks, but they were a terrible organization. But in 1998, this thing happened. It's called Peyton Manning. The year Tom Telesco went there. Now, he was just a scout. He was an area scout, but had the area of Tennessee. Had Peyton Manning's area. It was... Should have been known, but there, I was alive and well and playing fantasy football in 1998. And I remember I have friends, I have people, I know people in this industry that I was with back then. I know people were saying Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning. I know that was a real 
real thing. Now the Chargers, ironically, the team that got Ryan Leaf, but they made the right pick with Peyton Manning. Okay, director of pro scouting. He got a promotion in 2006, became the director of pro scouting. What happened in 06? They won the Super Bowl. That's interesting, right? So they, as a matter of fact, with with Tom Telesco, he was uh, one of the most successful personnel directors, pro and college, in the National Football League between 1998 and uh, and 2000 and. 12, right? And he eventually became president of football operations for the Indianapolis Colts. They're acting uh, general manager for a while as well. But it, it's pretty amazing to see what this organization, Indianapolis, did during his run. And then, you know, he also was the guy who drafted Andrew Luck in that organization. Is he lucky? Maybe. Maybe it's Luck. I mean, Manning and, and Luck. It absolutely could be luck, but I think we start to see things unfold where this is a guy who just really understands what he's doing. Now, the other thing about Tom Telesco, this is a fascinating thing that I just have. I put it in the the coaching breakdowns, but now Tom Telesco was a, um, um, a guy, he played at John Carroll University. John Carroll University, who the fuck is John Carroll University? Who knows where th- this thing is? It's a little uh, liberal arts college, I believe, or whatever it is in Ohio, okay? Nobody knows John Carroll University, right? Peyton Manning didn't go there. Andrew Luck didn't go there. But listen to the players and coaches in 1995 at John Carroll University. Tom Telesco, GM of the Chargers. Dave Caldwell, general manager, Carolina, now general manager of the New York Giants. Chris Polian, yeah, worked with him. Polian is the guy who got Telesco's job in Indianapolis. Polian was general manager there, now uh, general manager and uh, head of everything at, in Washington. Very smart, very well put together uh, personnel director, GM, and executive. Who else? Greg Roman best run game coordinator coach in the national football league offense coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens was what he went to Stanford. Andrew Luck went to Stanford. Um, he was at San Francisco as well. Took them to a super bowl as a offense coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Everybody knows him. He brought in the uh, spread offense to new England back in th- late 2006 and Installed it officially in 2007. Saw that go nuts. Uh, he was on that team. Nick Casario, who's now the general manager in Houston, spent a long time in the New England Patriots organization on that John Carroll football team. London Fletcher as well on that John Carroll football team. So that's, that is ridiculous, right? That is just absurd. A random college nobody's heard of in the world producing all of this NFL talent. Every single one of those guys, incredibly successful. Kazario, people don't like Caldwell. Okay. He's built Super Bowl teams, not winning teams. Super, he made it to the Super Bowl, you know, but you got problems with him. Polian's been bounced around. He's Bill Polian's son. Maybe he's, you think it's because of that, but he's done a great job himself. Roman McDaniel's obviously great. Casario's the one who, eh, we'll see what is up with him. Got his job because of the Easter beat nonsense in Houston. Right? I mean, I, you got to admit, that's fucking crazy. 
Right? This that doesn't happen. It's like saying, you know, if uh, you know, a small town in, in, in Asshat, New Mexico, and all of a sudden, you know, you get eleven starting centers in the NBA, all over seven foot tall, all from that that one town. You'd be like, all right, there's something going on. Right, you don't know what it is. The hormones in the waters, the sunlight. What is it? We don't know. Something. It's something. John Carroll University. Get the fuck out of here with that. So I find I, I found that to be uh, another fascinating element there as well. So he's the GM now. He's been the GM with the Chargers for a while now. You know, Telesco started. I, I believe it was uh, 2013. He came over from the chart or from uh, Indianapolis to the Chargers, so they, they've not had the greatest of runs in that time, right? LA has been up and down and over and out, no question about it. So Jeff, why is this the year? Why? why? I, I think Dean Spanos. There was a lot going on in LA with Dean, the owner, and his directive. He was a lot more involved than his sons were in the football operations and then the last couple of years also they want he wanted to move this team he wanted a new stadium they were distracted okay but since telesco's been there nine and seven nine and seven four and twelve five and eleven nine and seven twelve and four then five and eleven seven and nine last year all right fine um and he got there during the uh i think the uh you know that shitty mike mccoy that was a bad hire anyway I didn't like, never liked that, but there's been some talent. Talent has never been the Chargers' problem. Just never has been the problem. And that's why I say these players like, or or front office guys, talent evaluators, thank you. That is such an important role. It's why the front office matters. Right, it's why the front office means something to be able to identify breakout players, and you start looking around at uh, uh, guys Telesco has drafted. I mean, you start looking at Keenan Allen of the third round. DJ Fluker has been around a long time, mostly in Seattle, first round pick in 2013, and Jason Verrett, who's had massive injury problems, but my goodness, like real real good defensive cornerback uh denzel perriman one of the best inside linebackers for years melvin gordon long time running back and um uh hunter henry and obviously guys like joey bosa and mike williams and desmond king and sam tevy and derwin james has not proven it yet talk about him a little bit uh but again last year right justin herbert do you not find his guy? You, you give him, what was it, fifth or sixth pick? I think Herbert was overall, and he hit it out of the park. And I think as we look at this year's draft, I have a lot of confidence in some of uh, these players as well. And Telesco's a guy, 38% hit rate over his draft picks. Mm. 31.2, remember I keep saying that number, that's the NFL average, so he's well above the NFL average for hit rates over his but seven now, just eight drafts that he's done. So very solid hit rate in acquiring talent as well. Uh, this year, let's get to, I want to go back to last season. 
right, I want to go back to what happened in 2020. The last couple of years, quite honestly, with the LA slash San Diego Chargers, because Anthony Lynn's a bad head coach. Anthony Lynn was a really he's a bad head coach. He's a bad strategist. He's bad schematically. I don't think he uses players properly. Now he's a good man. He's a good guy. Players do like him for the most part. Some players, there's players like him that just kind of want to do their job and leave. Players that want to win don't like Andy Lynn because he stands in the way. Philip Rivers drove Philip Rivers fucking crazy. All right. Rivers knew he was at the end, but that was what, you know, Andy Lynn's strategist was terrible. Now, Anthony Lynn had two winning seasons right off right out of the gate, nine and seven, 12, the big 12 and four season in 2018, despite being, you know, that being Patrick Mahomes breakout year, right? Went 12 and four now shit the bed in 2019, but 2020, as we look at the Chargers 2020, I think it's one of the mis- biggest missed opportunities ever because, and this is exactly in line with how we identified the Cleveland Browns last year, Right. They, the, uh, the Chargers last season were, uh, um, they won their last, they finished really strong, won their last four games, three of which were against division opponents, including Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. They had seven losses. They were nine or seven and nine last year. Seven of the nine losses, seven games. You have to understand seven games by one touchdown or less, one score or less. Think about that, including their first loss to the Chiefs in week two, overtime loss, which they mismanaged that game in Justin Herbert's first career start. They had that fucking game dead to rights, folks. Dead to rights. We're up 14-6 at halftime, um, up 20-17 to with two minutes remaining in the freaking game. Okay. But again, mismanaged, didn't waste the clock, gave Patrick Mahomes over two minutes to get down in time for game time field goal. Idiotic. Lost that game. Lost against the Panthers by five. Lost against the Buccaneers, the world champion Buccaneers. On the road in Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, 38-31, with Herbert's third start of his career. Another game they had to lead and mismanaged. Lost to the Saints in New Orleans in overtime, I believe that game was, by a single field goal. You know, another one that they had leads in all the way through, right? including 27-20 with three minutes remaining. Right? I mean, absolutely impossible to have lost that game, and they mismanaged the clock in overtime. Anthony Lynn is a terrible head coach. Terrible. And for fantasy purposes, all the fantasy football people, he's bad. He's terrible. For the Lions, it's going to be terrible. For the running game, he wants to run the ball, good volume, but he's going to split everything up. That's what he did last year. And remember last year, you this gets lost, but he didn't even after Justin Herbert goes out and balls out, he comes back and tries to play Tyrod Taylor. Remember that shit? He was going to start Tyrod Taylor until he got hurt again. That's bananas that was bananas to not be able to identify that once you broke the seal on justin herbert just let it go let it freaking go but no so um that's just unbelievable to me 
So you lose seven games by one score or less. It just screams bad coaching. They're 18th in points, ninth in total yards, fourth in turnovers with a rookie quarterback. What? And their offensive line was bad. 30th in pass blocking, according to PFF, 32nd, dead last run blocking, 29th in adjusted line yards, 16th in sacks, 12th in adjusted sack percentage. What kudos to Herbert for not taking that many sacks when his offensive line was a swinging gate. Now, they had some injuries last year as well, but the, the offense played pretty damn well. Sixth in passing yards, 10th in passing touchdowns, fifth in attempts, ninth in rushing attempts. This is Anthony. Remember, Anthony Lynn is our hero. Anthony Lynn is the hero of the running back to some people. Okay, remember that. Ninth in rushing attempts, but 18th in yards, 27th in rushing touchdowns. That's impossible. Austin Eckler was hurt for a good portion of that, but we remember Kalen Balage. Remember Josh Kelly. He couldn't. Troy Main Pope had one game. He would never stick with a guy. Unfathomable. Just fucking terrible for Anthony Lynn. Okay? Still, this team closed out with an absolute bang. An absolute bang. You know, beat up the Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs, Falcons, eh. but they beat them all. They closed out very, very well. And it's a team that's pointing in the right directions because it's just loaded with talent. But Anthony Lynn is gone. So that's the next part of this. Tom Telesco, I think we've identified he's able to bring in the talent. You guys can do it on your own. Just go look over the depth chart. I'll get to it later on, but you know it's stacked with talent. Come on. And if you paid attention this offseason, they loaded up with more. So they're in a good spot there. They went out and brought in Brandon Staley as the head coach. Okay, Brandon Staley is uh, hes a young kid. He is a, uh, a guy that was – he off, he's the defensive coordinator of the L.A. Rams. So he's just moving across – the city for this in the same stadium. So it's not really a big move because they share everything, but Brandon Staley is the new head coach. He is a, um, you know, super young suit, not very experienced guy. You may wonder what the hell he's had one of the most meteoric rises of any head coach in the national football league, maybe ever, because this guy went from being a, uh, uh, okay. by the way, so I, I do want to point out one other thing. John Carroll University, remember we talked about that before? Um, in 2000, that was 1995 that I went for Tom Telesco. Well, it's like this is like the friggin' um, what's that stuff with the triangle? Everybody, the Illuminati, this is like the fucking Illuminati shit because he was a defense coordinator and secondary coach at. John Carroll University back in 2014, 20, 2013 through 2015, or t- through 2016, I'm sorry. I mean, this is a random fucking school out of nowhere, right? Again, how is this possible? But it is. He got a job as the Bears, Chicago Bears outside linebacker coach with Vic Bangio. He's a big fan of him. Carroll, you know, he was doing good things at, at John Carroll University um, as far as the uh, – with linebackers and specifically in coverage with Staley. Vic Fangio catches his eye. 
coaches with them a couple years. He follows Fangio to Denver for a year. The Rams then hire him as offensive coordinator. Well, you might, why the hell, why, how in the world, three years after being at a division three school, is this guy getting a defense coordinator job with Sean McVay in, in Los Angeles? Well, the reason he got that job is because Sean McVay gets his ass handed to him by Vic Fangio. Right, he Vic Fangio beats his ass. The Rams could not beat the Bears and Fangio was there. Rams not good against the Broncos. And if they do, he holds the offense very, very well. Right, he holds it down. So, you know, that's where Brandon Staley comes from. You know, 38 years old. Um, just how he caught the eye of Vic Fangio is something that is beyond comprehension realistically, but um it, it's it's amazing anyway um what happens with staley then he goes to los angeles thinks okay he's overwhelmed he's taken over wade phillips a legendary defensive mind big three four guy uh in la as well and he's got a couple of pieces granted aaron donald and jalen jalen ramsey but what he ends up doing and why everybody's on brandon staley and some there's some young defensive coordinators uh, around the national football league that, you know, Jonathan Gannon in Philadelphia, uh, Ulbrich from uh, the jets. He's with Robert Sala, right? They're doing a lot of innovative things and you're seeing it in the college level and it's a ways to get more bodies in the defensive secondary without bringing in all defensive back. It's, it's very unique coverages and very unique, uh, defensive fronts so what staley does and what he did in la with the rams i should say is he played a lot of uh three three five fronts a three-man line now you have aaron donald you're able to do that a lot easier but uh, four two fives as well used to be the old four six defense buddy ryan 46 still played throughout the nfl but they're going with four two fives and three three fives Okay, this lures the offense in. It, you think you could run against it because it, it's lesser front. Oh, the offensive coordinator or the quarterback, even the blockers, they oh, I'm going to run against it. We got the numbers. You know, we, we'll pull a, a six or seven on five or seven on four. We, we're going to just plow to get to the second level. But it creates the one-on-one matchups in the run game and it creates two-on-one matchups in the passing game. That's it's all one V one and two V one. They want uh, Brandon Staley wants one-on-one in the run game. They fill the gaps and fill their space as necessary. They scout and they plan on the areas of the field, which the offense runs. So they play their defense, even though they want one-on-one. They want to be even up front with an advantage in the back. Okay. But they're scouting. They're able run plays. And it's brilliant because running plays have a lot are very direct. You know where the ball's going. You know roughly the angle, the part of the field that is being attacked. In a passing play, you don't and modern passing plays have so much 
so much improvisation between the, the wide receiver, depending on what coverages they see, and even the quarterback, where the ball's thrown, when it's thrown, all those things. Running backs don't have that. They get the ball at the line. They have to go. The blocking is going here. Is that really much else they can do? Now, sometimes a running back will you know, tap dance and you know get to the edge or the outside. Sure, those Barry Sanders plays, but that doesn't happen very much. So this scheme is is pretty brilliant. It's very smart. Okay, and it took me a lot to understand. I have not. I didn't grab. I haven't grasped this until this year. I knew about the defensive fronts that he was doing, but I didn't know why. And it took me this entire offseason really to understand it. So that's what Staley does, and he's going to bring that to L.A. with the Chargers. Okay? So everything that's done is based on one-on-one up front and two-on-one in the, in the back. So you need versatility for this, and that comes in linebackers and safeties, and it's no different than other places around the NFL. Everybody wants versatility with linebackers and safety safeties have to be able to play the run linebackers have to be able to cover, but you also want guys that come off the edge or through the middle to eat it up. Well, I'll tell you this. When I lined up the Rams versus the chargers defense, the chargers defense is better almost every step of the way. The Rams have Aaron Donald. The Rams have a shutdown absolute guarantee in Jalen Ramsey. Okay. They have those things. Other than that, Leonard Floyd was great for the Rams last year. He was huge in, in that, uh, in that defense last year, he was a big part of Brandon Staley and that number one, um, being able to be versatile, play with his hand on the ground. If they needed four men up front or play that linebacker position, drop back into coverage, whether it be a, on a tight end or a running back coming out of the backfield, it's huge. Well, they've got this in LA. Right, they have Kenneth Murray drafted last year that really just didn't quite fit in what they were doing. They've got Jerry Tillery, who was first round pick two years ago. That it's a bad comparison, but he can be the Aaron Donald of this line. Nobody's going to dominate like Aaron Donald. I'm not saying he's going to have the numbers or demand triple cut teams. No. But Tillery can play the tackle position and the edge position and the ants. You can move him all over, and he could win 1v1 matchups. And you get 1v1 matchups because you've got an absolute behemoth in the middle, Linval Joseph, who's an absolutely accomplished run stopper, and he's a guy that demands double coverage and two blockers on, okay? And if they want to check out of running plays, Joey Bosa on the edge. I mean, Joey Bosa's – one of, if not the absolute number one best pass rusher in the National Football League. Right now, Bosa complained you don't stop the run nearly as well as an Aaron Donald does, and some other, very few other pass rushers do, but he doesn't. So that's, you could run at Bosa, but you justify that with Tillery and Joseph. Even Justin Jones, if you needed to cover up, this is a deep defensive line in which they, can do a lot of things the exact same way that the Rams did. Okay. And they have better talent all the way through. They don't have the top end guy. All right. They just don't, but they have the top end guy in Bosa that plays a different style. He can't do everything that Donald does, but he could rush the passer as well as Donald. That element he can do, but then he makes up for it with the rest of this defense. And then the linebackers and um, uh, Kenneth Murray, like I mentioned, first round pick last year, very 
um, important sideline to sideline guy can rush the passer, can cover, can do all that. If you're set him out in a four, two, five can drop back into coverage, play sort of that short midfielder in his zone coverage. Right. I mean, this is, you have the personnel to play Brandon Staley's defense. Okay. And where he's been and, and, you know, with Vic, Vic Fangio, one of the best defensive minds in the game, um, he's he's at the mentorship and it's a young guy identifies with the, a young player base and they've got a lot of that here in LA too. And oh, by the way, they still do have Chris Harris Jr. who's a great cornerback. They draft Asante Samuel Jr. Now it's a bummer that um, that um, they don't have. I'm blanking on the other corner that they had to get uh, Casey Hayward. That is a bummer that they don't have him anymore. Um, but you know, they're, they're going to have to scheme that out. That's a little bit that's missing. But again, you make up for it when you have numbers in the secondary. You need one of these corners, whether it be Chris Harris, who like they like Chris Harris as a slot cover guy where he has dominated. Asante Samuel's a rookie. Can develop into it. Won't be this year. Okay. Won't be that kind of cover guy necessarily this year. But man, Derwin James, if he stays healthy, holy shit. The safety that they didn't have with the Rams, Derwin James, he, he can do everything. He can, he's a linebacker, plays safety, can't stay fucking healthy. But my God, if he can, if he puts that together, this defense could be one of the tops, if not the best in the National Football League. And, um, Staying with that side of the ball, um, that's sort of my entire feeling here when you, you talk about they brought in Ronaldo Hill. Ronaldo Hill, former defensive cornerback himself, um, was a the safety or uh, secondary coach with Vic Fangio last year. So he knows the system, knows the scheme very well. Spent the last four or five years as a defensive backs coach. Was in Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh, got them coached up was with Miami, got them coached up, and spent the last two years in Denver. So, um, you know, Staley's going to call the defensive plays. It's going to be Hill's job to mostly coach these guys up. And when you've got young corners like Derwin James, Asante Samuel, uh, Chris Harris is older now, but you got Mark Webb, who was the seventh rounder, and Dante Vaughn, and Michael Davis, who's worked his way up from undrafted free agent to decent corner. Now, I've attacked him in DFS before. He's susceptible to long ball, but that's where having a, a coach like Ronaldo Hill comes into play. And they're going to play a ton of two high safeties with Duran James playing that quarterback spot of the backfield. All right. It's uh, different than what Gus Bradley has done. So it's going to take, it's going to surprise some of their opponents. It's going to, you know, they're not going to be used to it. They're going to play a lot more man to man as well and bring a safety and linebacker up to shrink those uh, those passing windows you know it's an evolving defense it changes on almost a play-by-play basis and definitely on a week-by-week basis but they've got the weaponry here to to stop the run to cover very very well to rush the quarterback extremely well this is going to be a defense that will take even the Kansas City Chiefs even the best of NFL offenses out of their comfort zone, which is really all you can ask. Now let's talk about 
the offensive side of the ball. If you stuck with me through the defensive breakdown, let's get to the freaking offense. Cause this is the most exciting part of all of it, quite frankly. And that is the, uh, that's Joe Lombardi coming over from new Orleans. Now, so another fascinating thing, if you don't believe in the Illuminati yet, maybe you will. Um, when Staley was uh, a few years ago, Staley was uh, out there for um, uh, it was a Mercyhurst College, I think it was right. He was in uh, Mercyhurst College. He was the quarterback of that football team. Shitty two and eighteen. Brandon Staley sucked, right? But he was the, their quarterback, offensive coordinator of that football team at Mercyhurst University. That went two and eight. Joe Lombardi. Two know each other very well. It's a good relationship there, and it, I think it was back in 2005 they were together there. So um, that's that's a really good connection, and it's not so it's not as random as people think. Of they just went out and hired the New Orleans Saints guy. In fact, Lombardi has already been away from New Orleans. He's been in New Orleans most of his his life um at least his coaching career so he's had that going for him but he stepped away to go to Detroit for a couple of years it didn't they were 9 and 7 one year and one of the be- one of the best Detroit teams of the last decade but uh you know that those offenses didn't definitely didn't pop but he's been with the Saints and he's been with uh Sean Payton Drew Brees since 07 essentially outside of 2014 and 15 when um he was in Detroit and those Detroit teams is what I really looked at and I loved what I saw I really like what I saw and I didn't notice it during those years I wasn't really a buying into the Lions guy or buying into Lombardi I went back through my notes and looked at it wasn't the greatest I didn't, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary felt that he needed more Sean Payton, but I think he's learned a lot in the eight years he's been back with new Orleans saints. And I think he's ready to step out his own and he's going to have full control of the offense. Now in Detroit, Jim Caldwell conservative AF, he wanted them to run the ball. So as much as Lombardi was trying to innovate and spread things out and, and, get into spacing Caldwell wasn't having it here in LA it's a better fit he knows the coach head coach very very well and he is he has complete and utter control of the offense Lombardi indeed is bringing the New Orleans Saints offense here to uh here to LA so Good sign, good things all told, you know, bringing New Orleans with what that means is that it's going to be a West Coast style, all right? It's going to have the outside zone rushing scheme as the foundation. That's something that um, Lombardi wants to run. It's something that they think we're, obviously it works. The success level is just outstanding and amazing. So they're going to be running the ball in that outside zone style, which is really great for a running back like Austin Eckler with that kind of lateral ability, pure, pure quickness to get one step and then go. That's it. It fits Austin Eckler superbly. If you said, you have out Kyle Shanahan. I bet you if Kyle Shanahan himself, any coach around the outside zone scheme, you could have your pick of running backs in the NFL. Uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, he Austin Eckler, probably fourth. 
third or fourth on that list. Like I have all of them. So this fit is tremendous. And again, you've heard me a lot. You know, I'm into Eckler. You probably didn't know I'm that this into the LA chargers, but I am. So, you know, the running game is going to be very important. Running backs play huge roles in this offense, both the run and the passing game. All right. Eckler is going to play the role of Alvin Kamara and what better spot is there for fantasy football purposes? Lombardi's offenses in Detroit featured the, uh, in 2014, he had the most. And in 2015, he had the third most targets to running back in the league those two years. Remember Theo Riddick? Remember how random fucking Theo Riddick was? Remember Joyke Bell for uh, like a period of five weeks before he got hurt? Yeah, that's Joe Lombardi. That's why we were into it. See, this is the stuff when you follow the lineage, follow the bloodlines, follow these coaches, where they go, know the playbook. You start realizing, ah, shit, theoretic wasn't a thing. No, it didn't matter. He was just there for when Lombardi was there. Checkdowns. Matt Stafford, everyone's talking Matt Stafford going to L.A. He likes to air it out, the deep ball. Matt Stafford was a quarterback in, in Detroit that fucking most dump-offs to running backs ever. And then he didn't after that Detroit running backs didn't catch the ball a lot after that notice because Lombardi was gone. That's what I'm talking about. It's design of the offense, but this is a tremendous situation. Um, You know, having that saints offense there and having Justin Herbert play the role of Drew Brees, they're not going to give him as any, uh, 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 as much autonomy as Drew Brees had Brees had play calling ability, Right they would call the play and Brees had override ability. They're not going to necessarily do that, but Lombardi has already brought in Drew Brees. Brees has been working with Justin Herbert this off season. Low key. Not, there's not published reports, not a big article about it, right? There's nothing like that, but he's, they've been working together. So very smart doing that. And they also brought in a backup quarterback named Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel, New Orleans connection. He, he was in that offense for years. He knows it inside and out. Four years with Sean Payton, Breeze, and Lombardi in New Orleans. He's going to help and assist Herbert get into the offense, understand what to do in cert- with certain coverages in certain situations. The goal is to eventually give Herbert more you know, autonomy. Lombardi's all about it. So is Staley. Staley stays out of it. He's not even part of this. It's all Joe Lombardi. And I think this is a, a great thing because Lombardi's ready and he's got the horses around him. So all of these spots are, are is really good. There, no, um, the other element here, I mentioned the running backs, all that, and let's get into the personnel now, okay? So uh, the defense is in as good as hands as it can be with a young, innovative guy, a very good teacher, a defense coordinator, Ronaldo Hill. Joe Lombardi, who it, it's his time. He has spent years being a quarterback coach and apprentice here in New Orleans. He had his time in Detroit. Offenses were good in Detroit. Was not the problem and had a winning season his first year there. But, um, you know, bad start in 2015. And it all went downhill, went back to New Orleans. And he's had the best team in football for years. Certainly wasn't him calling the plays to Taysom Hill and um, Tommy Lee Lewis. So this situation they're in really, really good shape. Now let's look at the on the field talent, what they have to work with. Well, let's stick with offensively because what they did this off season uh, to improve that offensive line, which was their real deficiency. 
seven and nine in a tough division with all these one score losses. And they went out and upgraded their offensive line massively, not just a little. And this is the connection to bring it back to the Browns. This is exactly what I told you last year at this time. The Cleveland Browns are amazing because they went out and drafted and signed free agents. They got Jack Conklin and they went out and Jedrick Wills and, you know, all they improved their offensive line. That's what you have to do, man. That is what you freaking have to do. That's what it's about. The Saints team wasn't great. They did go out and get Brian Balaga, one of the better right tackles in the game before last year from he was protecting um, the face side of Aaron Rodgers up until last year, including the 13 and three season two years ago, Blaga is an all pro right tackle. Okay. Now they went out and used their first round pick on Rashawn Slater. A lot of people had him as the number one offense lineman in the draft. I had him as number three. I am uh, Slater's going to be very good. My knock on him going into the draft was does he play inside or does he play tackle i don't know if he has the length to stick a tackle that it remains to be seen they think so but the very worst he's going to be an all pro left guard because he does have a guard's body he's got a he's a bulldozer he's just a bully and you'll i love you love to see it so if that's what happens there i'm okay with it it's not a loss of a draft pick at all. Um, so that you get him, they go and get Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley was one of the best centers in the National Football League a year ago for the Green Bay Packers. Another guy, he was number one in run blocking and number four in pass blocking amongst all NFL centers last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Okay, so right away, you know, that's pretty damn good. And then they, they did another upgrade and went out and got Matt Filer from Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I've talked a lot about the Steelers getting decimated and losing all their offensive linemen. Well, where did those offensive linemen go? Filer is a, a player that is just always shows up, always is, plays very, very strong, always is at the top of the leaderboards when you look up from it, um, from his right guard position. And that's where he's going to play here in L.A. Gonna play the right guard. Very, very good pass blocker. Very, he's adequate. Better, better pass blocker necessarily than run blocker, which you'd like the opposite on the interior. But he's a major upgrade of what they had last year. So now, I mean, you're talking three fifths of an offensive line, and they didn't lose anybody. Uh, Scott Quisenberry is still here. He has started a guard and center for them. He's going to be a perfect depth play. They get Brendan James, a fifth round pick that I do like. I had a higher grade on. He is actually, I think, 11th on my uh, board. Out of uh, was he Big Ten? I know he's Big Ten. He played against Slater. Um, oh, North uh, Nebraska. He was at Nebraska. That's where he was. Uh, a fifth rounder there, Trey Pipkins, who has started a tackle, unfortunately for them. So the depth is here too which is just tremendous. So they got the depth. They did lose Hunter Henry this offseason, but they get Jared Cook. Jared Cook played with Lombardi. He knows the offense in New Orleans. 32 years old. It feels like he's a lot older than that. He's not as good as Hunter Henry. They went Trey McKitty. 
in the third round of this draft. I like Donald Parham from a pass catching standpoint. I think that's another real weapon specifically in the red zone for Justin Herbert. So you got that element there as well. Otherwise everything else is back here. Keenan Allen, one of the best route runners, surest hands in the national football league. Mike Williams on the biggest, strongest, physically imposing wide receivers and Mike Williams, it should be noted uh, that he's going to play the X in this offense. It's the Michael Thomas role. So a lot more targets from Mike Williams. Mike has been a downfield and red zone option only for whatever reason. A lot of that has to do with the shortcomings of Phillip rivers. Okay. But, and, and the offense uh, that they've run here, whether, you know, Ken Wisenhunt and uh, Shane Steichen, who, uh, by the way, is now Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator. He was the coordinator in L.A. last year, just an FYI. So Mike Williams is there. They get Josh Palmer. They have Guyton, who's the downfield threat uh, that showed a lot. Joe Reed, who people he had a good little uh, training camp last year as a fifth-round pick in 2020 as well. So wide receiver depth is absolutely here. It's better than it was. Yeah, they have more depth here than in new Orleans. That's for sure. And then the running backs Eckler is a stud. Austin Eckler is a guy in this outside zone running scheme. One of the best running systems of football with an improved line. The pass catching ability is absolutely out outworldly. I've talked about it in, um, Last year, the first game when Eckler and Herbert were really on uh, their, their first game on the same field together after Eckler came back from injury, it was uh, a 16 target game. And this guy averaged eight plus targets with, uh, with Josh or Justin Herbert under center last year. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And six, 11 catches in that game as well had 11 target 11 catch game against Carolina before that with Justin Herbert, his targets were amazing 11 and then he got hurt. So 16, nine, nine, four, three, and seven targets from Justin Herbert. Again, Lombardi, this is the design of the office. He's going to catch a ton of passes. Now folks are like, well, he's not going to get the goal line carries. That was Anthony Lynn. I urge everybody to go back and watch hard knocks last year. There was a, a, one of the episodes, I think it was like episode three or four, where the Chargers running backs did the goal line drill. How to get in. Just know, got to get in, got to get in against a full defense. One on 11. And Austin Eckler was leaping over everybody. And it was just amazing. The whole team was rallied. It was unbelievable seeing this guy leap over people. So he can get in an end zone. He's their most accomplished red zone weapon or, end zone, or goal line weapon. You got to buy into Austin Eckler. If you don't chase the Chargers, if you don't chase Eckler, I don't, you're dead to me, everybody. So, uh, you know, th that is, those are the reasons to be really excited about this team. You know, I even mentioned Chase Daniels, the backup. You even have that. Then let's, let's focus on the most important position on the field, and that is the quarterback. <laughs> you get all these changes, all these positive changes. Offense line, coordinator, that's Hall of Fame, quarterback offensive coordinator with a ton of a track record and history familiar with the head coach total trust of the head coach total trust of the organization 
right? The entire organization is now on the same page. This all ties together. This creates good football organizations, good football teams. This is what happens. And then they get successful and they all think they're, then they start fracturing. It's like guru elite. This is the same shit that happens all the time. People get taste of success. They have a winning record, make a playoff run, maybe win a Super Bowl, get to a Super Bowl. And then it, then it cracks up and then, then everybody buys in and it's too fucking late. This is why we're chasing the Chargers now. Now, now, now. Not later, not mid-season, not after the season, not next year. Now. This is when we do it. Justin Herbert. Quarterbacks make strides in year two. Every quarterback makes stride in year two. Every quarterback worked their salt. Go look at the first year. Patrick Mahomes didn't fucking play. Second year wasn't the best quarterback in the world. Josh Allen was borderline garbage year one. Made huge strides year two. Kyler Murray, huge step up. Lamar Jackson played half a year, basically was a running back. He was MVP of the league in year two. Dak Prescott actually was solid. They won 13 games in his rookie year. Turned himself into a great quarterback year two. Russell Wilson managed, managed the offense, made huge strides got to a super bowl won it in year two okay this is what happened you're either if you're going to be a great quarterback in the league you're going to do it entering your second year you're going to take that step in year number two you have good rookie years sure but year two is the the telltale if if justin herbert regresses and can't figure it out well chargers will have some problem i think they could win and, and relegate him a little bit and still win some games but if he takes a leap, this team could win the fucking Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's you're talking about a team that has Super Bowl upside, super realistic Super Bowl aspirations. Going to be tough with the, the Chiefs. They only have to beat them once. That's in the playoffs. They could lose both games with Chiefs, and it can be completely fine. Remember, this is a team, 7-9. Won the last four, no Joey Bosa, no Derwin James, no offensive line. Eckler missed a ton of time. Coaches were absolute garbage. Think of all these upgrades that they went out and got. Think of everything that they accomplished in this offseason. The talent that's been added here. Sante Samuel Jr., second-round pick. Very accomplished. A lot of first-round grades on him. I mean, all the things that they did – with a much better coaching staff means tremendous upside. Finally, let's do, I want to go through it because I've, as you guys know, over at fantasyguru.com, I have the draft guide available. I've done all the projections, every game, every snap of I've projected everything that will happen everywhere. It's already done. I have the 2021 season down pat. Not going to be hundred percent. Right. That's for sure won't be 80% right because you never know what's going to happen, but I projected it out. All right. So I went through the charger schedule. Let's look at it. Week one, they start out at Washington. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing I will say about the chargers. I told you last year it for the Cleveland Browns, it's going to be bad in week one against the Ravens. I fucking told you said, don't worry. What happened? It was terrible. What happened? You worried. You came to me. I sat back. I lit up a cigar and just blew the smoke right in your face. 
Anybody who doubted me, I was, I'm so sure of it. This is a tough matchup. I like Washington. I love what they did. This is going to be one of the best games of week one with the, with the chargers traveling all the way by the way, how many fucking times chargers go East all the time. It's crazy to me. And they do it like a ton early on in the season. They go out to Baltimore. They have to go out to Washington. They have to go out to uh, uh, Philadelphia. Like, give me a fucking break. So this wash. So here's what I did. I separate. These are the games that I have as clear wins for the Chargers, clear losses for the Chargers, and then maybe. And sure as shit, I start out with a maybe. I only have two maybes on the whole season. I had more with the Browns, I think. Can't remember. Remember the wins are right. At Washington's a maybe in week one. Week two, Dallas, they win that game. At home against the Dallas Cowboys. I like the Cowboys. I think Cowboys are improved. But Staley's defense against a good offense, uh, I will take it. And by the way, this Charger offense versus the Cowboy defense, yeah, you take that every single time. So um, that's a win. Week number three, they traveled to Arrowhead against the Chiefs. That's a loss, easily done. Week four, at home against the Raiders, that's a win. Week five, they are at home against the Cleveland Browns. What am I going to do? My baby Browns versus my uh, my uh, uh, chappy Chargers. I don't know what what's guy called. KG Chargers? I don't know. Whatever it is. I think Cleveland gets the win. I'm giving Cleveland the win there. I think it's a tough game. That's a game I'm, I can't freaking wait, by the way, for that one. That's going to be, that's a one o'clock game, too. That should be Sunday night football, dummies, fucking dummies. I think they lose that game. Oh, no. They're two and two after five weeks with the maybe two, two and one. Week six, uh oh, at Baltimore. Well, they lose that game. Oh, shit. Jeff, what are you talking about? This Charger team get waxed. Fucking waxed. All right, maybe. Off week seven. Ah, here it goes. You ready? Doesn't start yet. Week after the bye, they get New England Patriots. That's a tough game. At home, though. New England have a travel. This is going to be Cam Newton. Will it be Mac Jones by then? If it's Mac Jones, I think the Chargers win this. It's Cam Newton, and they're running hot. I. This is the other maybe. This is my second maybe of this pile. I. This one... Truth be told, I in, in my official projections, I have them losing the Washington game and winning the New England game. Okay, that's that's the way I have it, but we're talking fractions below one point, point differential in both games. That's a problem. Now it's when it happens. We've played almost half the season. This is where the Chargers go bananas. This is where they have seismic advantages every step of the way. This is where you stick with your boy. Stay with me. Pat up, sat up. I got the saddle on the back. You get on. You don't worry about this. I carry you through to week nine. Week nine at Philadelphia, that's a win. That's an easy win. Minnesota at home in week 10, it's a win. At home against Pittsburgh Steelers, week 11, that's a win. Steelers may finish last in the AFC North. Steelers by then are broken. I don't even think Roethlisberger plays by the end of November. That's a win. At Denver, it's a win. That's in week 12. Week 13, at Cincinnati, it's a win. Week 14, at home against the Giants, it's a win. You hear me, folks? That's six straight, baby. 
Six straight. Ping, 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 ping. Let's go. And week 15. Okay, reality back. You're at home. Still at home. But they got the Chiefs. It's a tough one. That's a loss, of course. Right? Losing against the Chiefs. Lost both this year against the Chiefs. No problem. Week 16. Fucking layup. Day after Christmas. You've got the Texans. In Houston, no Watson, no power, no J.J. Watt, no problemo. That's an easy win. Week 17 at home against the Denver Broncos. I mentioned I like the Broncos. And this is teacher versus student, right? Fangio versus Staley. One of these teams, by the way, if somehow the Chargers, and you never know with injuries and everything, if they don't do well, that means the Broncos are going to, Buy the Broncos. That would be my the backup plan. If you don't chase the Chargers, buy the Broncos. That's next. But I, I have them winning that game. I think they will win that game. Week 18, last week of the season in Las Vegas, short road trip for them against the Raiders. They win. Ladies and gentlemen, they win nine of their last 10. 11 wins, four losses, two maybes. If they split, one win and one loss is my decimal points prove it's a 12 and five season. If they get lucky and win both, it's a, it's a 13 and four season at the worst, the absolute positive worst case scenario here, 11 and six for your LA chargers folks. Las Vegas sports books have the over at eight and a half wins right now. Now it's nine in a lot of places. If you bargain hunt, it's a eight. You can get eight and a half over under on the Chargers. Now you have to give up a little bit. It's minus minus one fifteen on the eight and a half, but we're at plus one hundred five on the over nine wins. So whatever you pick your poison, where you want to make the bets at it, wherever it's legal for you, or you go to Las Vegas to do it, or a legalized state, you bet this over and you do it emphatically. They're thirty three to one to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. They have a Super Bowl winning team. If Herbert makes that step, I mean, I like that they play the Chiefs because if they play them tough, you don't even have to win those first two. If you meet them in the playoffs, you can get that third one, right? You can, if you play, they played the Chiefs tough last year, dude. Real tough. This is, so they're a Super Bowl caliber team. 16 to one to win the AFC. Here, those are, fine bats because you're getting good odds on your money but i will tell you what six to one to win the afc west what the fight a division that's a good bet now they have to get through the chiefs but the chiefs have been back-to-back super bowls they have a lot of new personnel you can't give six to one odds here it's just it's so good <laughs> it's just too good. I mean, again, if they go, you know, 11 and six could win the division. You know, that wins divisions every year. If they split and went 12 and five, that's a division division, winning division, division winning record. Easy for me to say. And again, best case scenario, 13 and four that he wins the division. So that's a great bet. You're getting so much money, so much positive money on that bet. It's worth making but I love the over. That's, that's the way I would bet it in the future market as well. Oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up when we're talking about Vegas, this has to matter to you. 
I'm not the guy that will tell you, well, Vegas knows what they're doing all the time. So just go by that. Vegas does know what they're doing. Vegas does all their research. No question about it. They know about umpires and baseball. They know about officials and football and home and away splits. And they know all weather. They know these things, systems. They know it. They do the work like we do, like I do. The who is the lowest odds to an NFL coach of the year? Brandon Staley of the chargers 13 to one lowest. I mean that I don't love, I don't like those bats. Those are kind of hacky and fooly and whatever, but why is he the odds on advantage? Well, because Vegas believes in him because he's had a lot of success. The lineage is there as a young up and comer and he's got a ton of talent around him. They know something. So if he, he doesn't win coach of the year going, uh, uh, seven and 10, right. Or, or eight and nine. He's not winning coach of the year for that shit, but he is, if he's going 11 and, uh, 11 and six or 12 and five or 13 and four, he's winning that he's up there for coach of the year. So that is pretty damn telling. That is another reason to chase the chargers in 2021. All right, folks. Now, you know, I've been through every single step. What questions do you have? Hit me up at Jeff underscore mans on Twitter, the Jeff mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. I love to have this conversation. Come join me in the fantasyguru.com chat room. Again, draft guide is available. We have a chat room. I'm in there. Our entire staff, Armando Marsal, Tyler Beaker, Russell Clay, Ray Flowers, Ted Schuster, Vlad Sedler. We're all in there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, that's not true. Overnights, it's mostly just me. <laughs> Late nights. But uh, early risers are up there with Tyler and the crew uh, as well in the mornings. But if you just drop us a line, we'll answer your question. We'll help you in draft. If you're in the middle of a draft, we'll help you out. We've got everything you need to dominate. We are the next level of fantasy football and uh, we appreciate you trusting us to do so. That is episode 72. We're chasing the Chargers in 2021, baby. And we're going to be much richer for the experience. Haven't missed on one of these yet. I urge you, go back and listen to episode 20 by the Browns. Similar style of show. If you liked what you heard there, that one I know is one of our most downloaded programs. It got a lot of positive feedback as well. I hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed this one as well let me know what you think though on social media and everything else check us out elitefantasy.com as well elitesportsbetting.com over there for all your legalized sports betting needs that's going to do it for this episode chasing the chargers baby all the way to the promised land i am jeff mans appreciate you guys downloading subscribing to this program again tell a friend as many we need as many listeners as we possibly can i would love to crank out more episodes like this like others personal ones football ones baseball ones man i, I want to do more of these uncensored podcasts the way to do it is to drive up our subscription and download numbers so appreciate you guys spreading the word if indeed you enjoyed yourself you may disagree with some or maybe even everything that you heard over this entire episode, and it's perfectly all right by me. Why? Because it was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!